Would you turn your Bible, please, to 2 Corinthians 5, verses 20 and 21, continuing a message we brought last Wednesday night and anchoring it, re relating it to other scriptures that are so important. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21, the passage that Brother Teddy read a little while ago. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now when you relate that to the scripture in Mark chapter 8, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? If we gain the whole world and lose our own soul, what profit is it? And then in the passage of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That particular verse, perhaps this gives us more insight into what we usually call the soul of man than any other passage in the Bible. When we say our goal is souls, some people visualize hundreds of people walking down an aisle giving their hearts to Christ. And what joy and what glory and what power that is. But our goal is souls envisions more than that. It's what do we do with the Christ we receive? And every day we have to ask the question, what then will you do with Christ? What will you do with him? Do you wear him as a badge around your body? You just put a cross on and say, that's my sentiments. You put some sign on your car, put a little sign, sign on your lapel so that everybody can know who you are. That's fine. I think that's wonderful. <clears throat> when we think of souls, we need to think of what the scriptural term means. <clears throat> Paul speaks of our body, soul, and spirit. Commonly in the scripture, all those are used interchangeably. So that in the beginning, God created man in his own image. He breathed into him the breath of life and man became a living what? Soul. That didn't mean that all he had was something that's gonna live after death. It meant that he had something he's gonna live with now. The body is the biology. The doctors treat that. Sometimes they make mistakes, they bury their mistakes. Our spirit is our psychology, our self-consciousness, our psychic. And the psychiatrists deal with that. And sometimes they make mistakes. That is our soul. Our spirit is our God consciousness. Now the thing that distinguishes you and me from a dog or a cat or a sow is our spirit. 
A dog has biology. He has psychology. You can scold him and he tucks his tail and runs. But he doesn't have any spirit. Now he has the spirit of a dog. Men have their own human spirit. But the spiritual capacity within an individual person is a capacity to know the Lord. Dogs don't know the Lord. Cats don't know the dog. Donkeys don't know the Lord. Horses don't know the Lord. We're their Lord. That's the reason every individual needs to treat a horse and a cow and a dog and a cat with respect. One of our men told me about hitting a dog the other day and he said he, he cried. There was an identity inside. He killed a life. He didn't mean to. The car ran over it. The dog ran out in front of him. And it, and it hurt him. Well, that was his self-consciousness reacting to this tragedy. But you and I have something more than a dog or a cat. We are a living soul, and that term soul relates to the total person. When we die, we go to a funeral, and we look at this person that we've known, dressed up beautifully, the flowers are lovely, casket's beautiful, everything's wonderful, but you can't talk to that person. I've heard people try. I've heard people come by and weep and cry and cry real loud and, and just say, oh, I wish I could tell you I loved you, I neglected you. Don't do that. Don't neglect anybody. Give them flowers while they're alive. Call them on the phone today. Tell them I love you. Don't put that off and stand by a casket weeping and crying because you didn't tell them that earlier. But that body cannot respond to you. The body is there. The biology is there. No doctor is ever called to treat a body that's been dead 10 days. You call an undertaker. The self-consciousness of that person, they can't hear you. They can't respond to you. But there's another ingredient in that person that left at the time of death. They call this an aurora. They tell me they're making a machine or already perfected it that can turn uh, its lens on a, a person that is dying and they can watch. And as the body dies, there's an aurora that moves off. I don't know whether that's the spirit or not. I don't know whether technically our technicians can capture that, but I know the Bible says the soul of man never dies. It goes on and on. And when we speak of soul, we're speaking of the corporate, because the New Testament also tells us that there's going to be a resurrection of the body. And we're not going to be disembodied spirits walking around the world. That's the reason you don't need to be afraid to go in a cemetery at night. We were in Mexico. I saw an amazing thing. <laughs> there were lights on many graves. And I asked one of the men, why do they have lights out there on those graves? They said, so their spirit won't have to walk around in darkness. I want to tell you, 
When you die, that's not the end. There's something about you that goes on. If you're saved, you go to heaven. If you're lost, you go to hell. There is no soul slumber. There's no intermediate stage. There's no purgatory where you pay for your sins. Either Christ paid for all of them or none of them. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And so when we come to the end of life, our body lies down in death. Our loved ones weep. It hurts so much. Our work is finished here. But then immediately we go to another plane. Lord, lift me up and let me stand on higher ground. That's, we're, we're on our way home. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. But friend, if you're not saved, the endless abyss is where you'll spend eternity. The Bible doesn't call that eternal life. It calls it eternal death. Immortality does not, is not a Christian teaching. Fasten your seatbelts. It's, it's taught by Aristotle that people just live on and on and on. Some religious groups have picked that up. The Bible teaches that only God has immortality, and those who are in Christ have, have immortality because of Christ. The rest are said to die eternally. Not to live eternally, but to die eternally. You ever seen somebody die? It's an awful thing. They struggle. They can hardly breathe. And they, they, they just go and you stand helplessly by and wonder, doctor, couldn't you do something? Nurse, couldn't you come and help us? What are we going to do? And just gradually that life goes down and you're so helpless. And then they're gone. But their soul, spirit, is not gone. It goes immediately, either to heaven or hell. I want to give you several reasons why our goal is souls. Number one, because God made us that way. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And in Genesis 1:26, he said, let us make man in our image. And in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. Male and female created he them in the image of God. Now remember already the kingdom of animals had been created. There were kangaroos and there were elephants and there were dogs and there were cats and there were horses and so on. But none of these was the crown of God's creation. And finally he said, let us make man in our image. That is with the ability to think, the ability to decide, the ability to determine, the ability to say yes or no. And so God created man in his image. And because we were created in his image, we need the souls of men. We need God working in people's hearts to restore to them what was their original birthright. Secondly, our goal is souls because that image of God in man was marred irreparably. In the Garden of Eden, God said, you can eat any tree here except one. The day you eat of it, you'll begin to die. The devil came along and tempted Eve. And Eve tempted Adam. 
And together they went in rebellion against God. God said, don't do it. They said, I'm going to do it anyway. And that's what sin is. Your parents say, don't do it. And you do it anyway. Your bus pastor says, don't do it. And you do it anyway. God's word says, don't do it. Well, shall I show you God who's boss? I'll do it anyway. That's rebellion. That's sin. And because of rebellion and because of sin, our goal is souls, not just to keep you out of hell, but to make you heavenly minded here. Thirdly, the reason our goal is souls is because of the value of a soul. There's no way to estimate the value of a soul except to know what Jesus did on the cross to redeem our souls. You see, if we could bring the world religion leaders here and we'd say to them, what did you do to get people to follow you? One would say, well, I went in, marched in the city with my guns and my army and commanded everybody to, do, to be on my side and in my religion. If we'd bring Jesus here, we'd say, Jesus, what'd you do to cause everybody to follow you for 2,000 years? From the throne of his cross, the king of grief would cry out to a world of unbelief, O men and women, come and see. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by on an old rugged cross, I paid for your sins. And everybody that comes to Jesus has to come voluntarily. There are no second generation Christians. We're all first generation. Did you know Christian faith could die any moment? If we fail to pass the torch on and tell others, Brother Limster has been a pastor and a missionary, and he goes to Germany and Russia and other places and holds the torch up so that those who do not know Christ can come to Christ. Thank God for our missionaries, for those who take the gospel, the ends of the earth. Now, when we think of the worth of a soul, I think of people. I think of people. We're not just disembodied spirits. You see, when you give your life to Christ, He can do something for you. He can do something with you. I think of Chris Mansfield who sings so beautifully every Sunday night. I respect him and love him. Ten years ago, I think it was about that time, he couldn't do anything by his own testimony. Messed up. And then one Sunday night, one Saturday night in August, he came down to this aisle and gave his heart to Christ and immediately began to grow in the Lord. You look at Chris and Freda today as a wonderful team for Jesus. Why? Because they've let Christ grow in their lives. I've seen other people walk down the aisle and make some kind of profession of faith and go out and smoke and drink and curse and swear and live like the world. They haven't really given their soul to Christ. They made a profession. There's a difference in a profession and a possession. Big difference. Not everybody talking about heaven is going there. I think of Lee Kennedy, the first convert in our church. Forty, 
almost 45 years ago. We had a tent meeting over in a house on Jones Avenue and Lee Kennedy gave his heart to Christ. Listen to this. The next year he was elected a deacon. Every three years during all these 45 years, he's been a deacon. Finally, the church recognized that and made him a deacon for life. He went up like that and began to just go on with God. Keep on going on. That's what our goal is. Our goal is souls. To find people who receive Christ and then get going for God and let their lives count for Jesus. God blesses those. There are some who try to get as close to the world as the, they possibly can. They forget what the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Listen to that. Let the Holy Spirit interpret that to your heart. And all that is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is transitory. It's passing away. What's popular today won't be popular tomorrow. Years ago, the men wore great big things up here, you know, I don't know what you call it, lapels, big, long, wide lapels. And then they got them, so they're very short. And now they're coming back a little bit more. Styles. Years ago, the ladies wore long dresses and long, long uh, uh, sleeves and high neck collars. And I thought that was nice. <laughs> and then they went the other extreme. They went as short as they could get it and practically no sleeve at all and low necks. That's the way the world does. Dr. Lee Robertson is just a lesson in symbol. For years and years, I met him in college, when I was in college. He's always worn a double-breasted suit. Never have seen him in anything else. It's all he wore, always. And he's just as powerful today as he was 40 years ago. I want to tell you, you do not have to live like the world. The world wears earrings. They pierce their tongue. I saw somebody the other day, started to speak to him, and his tongue, uh, ing, right in the middle of their tongue, I don't know how they talk at all. <laughs> you don't have to act like that. If you're God's child, act like it. Live like it, walk like it, talk like it. That's what we're looking for in the souls of people. People that will give themselves all the way to Jesus and be used by the Lord. I could go on and on with illustrations of people who have come to the Lord and God has wonderfully used them. And they've been blessed by God and they've been used by God. This, this place this morning is filled with those kind of people. Praise God. If you're saved, but you've not given your total life to the Lord and you still let the world system get into your system, and you begin to live like it and walk like it and talk like it and act like it and so on, why don't you come to a screeching halt and say, by the grace of God today, I'm going to change. I want my life, soul, body, spirit. I want to anchor it in Jesus, and I'm going to live for him who died for me. Augustine was a wild, profligate young man. He tasted all the world's pleasures they had to offer in those days. 
He was involved in sex, in drinking, in cursing, in gambling, and all those things. He had a mother named Monica. And Monica, Augustine left home. He couldn't stand her rules. So he left home. and She would try to find out where he was. And when she discovered what city he was in, she would take transportation and go to that city. Though she never could find him and see him, but she said, Lord, I'm in the same city where my son is, and I'm praying for God to do something in his life. That happened over a period of years. One night, in a party where there was a drink and everything, Augustine went out on a little veranda. There was a little piece of paper on the floor. He picked it up, and it read, it is high time to wake out of sleep. And that sobered him up. He went alone and said, Lord, I want to give myself to my mother's God. And Augustine took a new direction. Not only was the part of him that was going to heaven or hell changed, he was changed right here in life. Our goal is souls. Our goal is to see some of these precious bus boys and girls grow up to love God and to serve God and in turn to be a bus driver and a bus pastor and in turn to teach Sunday school and to preach and to serve the Lord. That's our goal. Some people don't understand a bus ministry. They think, why are you just doing it to get numbers? Listen, our goal is not numbers. Numbers and crowds, not necessarily at church. We're trying to reach souls because of what they can mean in the kingdom of God. God feigns to use you and me. You just think of that. God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need us, and yet he says, I need you. That's strange, isn't it? God needs us. He wants us. He will use us if we'll give ourselves to him. Carol Peacher came to the Lord when she was five years old. Clyde Gordon came to the Lord when he was five years old. They've given their whole lives to the Lord. Don't put it off. Don't wait. You've got a life that God could use. Place yourself in his hand. Go immediately to his service. I've run out of time, but there are two other reasons why our goal is soul. Number one is hell. There's a terrible hell waiting those who are without Christ. In hell, he lifted up his eyes being in torment. Oh, I don't glory over anybody going to hell. I've had several funerals of people that I know went to hell. They told me they didn't want God, they didn't want Christ, and yet they called on me to have the service. It's an awful thing. See somebody get down in the casket and put their arms around their loved one, try to bring them up and say, don't go away, don't go away. They've already gone. And that one went to hell. Boys and girls, not everybody goes to heaven. Only those whose hearts have been made right with God. Only those who put their faith in Jesus. They're the only ones that are going to heaven. And because there's an awful place called hell, our goal is souls. And last of all, because of the wonderful place of heaven, our goal is souls. How beautiful heaven must be. They sang about it a little while ago. I got homesick while they were singing that. And Brother Lloyd sang, when my, my life's work is over and I cross the sea, I'll know him by the nail prints in his hand. 
Oh, listen, heaven is wonderful. Heaven is joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And we can live a heavenly life right here. Now, there'll be sin all around us. And every once in a while, we'll be cast down by the devil. We'll be depressed, we'll be discouraged, we may slip and sin. But if God is inside, he'll knock on our door and he say, that's not the way to live, boy. That's not the way to live, girl. And there'll be a repentance in our heart to come back. And when you hear the word of God preached, instead of yawning and getting upset and say, I'm not ever coming back there, you'll say, thank you, Lord, that somebody told me about my sins. Sin is an awful thing. Sin interrupts fellowship with God. And sin will take you to hell. The sin of rejecting Jesus Christ. Heaven with all of its glory. Someday the silver cord will break. And I no more as now shall sing, but all oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of my king. Be sure to be here tonight. Lloyd's going to sing that song. Heaven is so wonderful. My grandmother died in 1939. I was a young boy. At her funeral, they sang that song. Someday the silver cord will break. I remember everything about that funeral. They say, well, kids can't remember much. Yes, they do. They remember. And, uh, and then the preacher talked about how she was a godly lady. She had received Christ as her Savior and was on her way to heaven. And do you know I knew in my heart right then that if I died, I wouldn't go to heaven? Young boy. It wasn't long after that till somebody showed me from the Bible how to be saved. And I gave my heart to Christ. God can change us. Now, when you get saved, you need to get on that plane that goes on and on and on and on and on. And I want to guarantee you, if you're trusting Jesus, you're not going to lose the stabilizer. He's going to be there because he's the Holy Spirit. And he'll keep you stable and on and on until you go home. Some people enjoy riding like this. Ooh, ooh, I don't like that. You get in a plane that does all that kind of stuff, I want to get off. Impossible to get off in the middle of the air. But God doesn't want us to be like that either. He wants us to get on that plane to glory and just keep on going. Take off like a jet airplane and just go on and on and on. That's our goal as souls. We're looking for people who will give their all on the altar for Christ. Thank God there's been a, a master's minority who have done that. Adults and young people. And through the years, thank the Lord for those who have taken seriously the commands and demands of discipleship. Have you given yourself to the Lord? Have you done the first thing by receiving Christ as your Savior, repenting of your sins and putting your faith in Him? And then have you said, Lord, I don't want to live like the world. I'm going to go on with God. I want to be somebody for God. God can take a nobody and make you a somebody. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the truths of the Word of God. Help us to understand what it means when we say our goal is souls. Not just looking for numbers, but people, individuals who will offer themselves to Jesus to be used by God in a world that hates God. Have thine own way in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. What number? 348. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home, calling today, calling today. This is the song they were singing the night I was saved.
that I gave my heart to Christ. This song, Jesus is tenderly calling. Now, let me have your attention on it. If you need the book, turn to page 348. But the invitation is this. If you're here and you're not saved, you've never given your heart to Christ, I plead with you to come to him this morning, just like you are. Don't try to get better. Don't think I'm gonna quit this and quit that before I start to the Lord. Just come on. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. God promises that. Now, if you're already saved, are you serving him? Are you living on higher ground? Why not today come and commit yourself to higher ground living? I wanna serve the Lord. Get on that jet airplane, keep on going. I don't want all these nose dives. I'm gonna keep on going for God. Do what God tells you to do while we sing, while we pray.